What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 14 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this episode of the podcast, we have a ton of stuff to get to, including a little shop talk where Mike and I will discuss our favorite apps. And I'm not talking about just apps that are in the app store for drumming. I'm talking about the few apps that we actually use on our own personal devices to help with our practice. We'll dive into some education, discuss Russ Miller's article on advancing at any age, and just how to not talk yourself out of trying to get better no matter how late you started in life. We'll talk in depth about the subject of soundproofing and in our gear review section we'll check out two large diaphragm condenser microphones from Audio-Technica. So let's get started. It is episode 14. Mr. Dawson, these things are flying by, man. Yeah, the weeks get shorter and shorter when you got to do something like this every time. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. But it, it's cool, man. I, I've, I've been having a blast with it. And every week it's getting a little more fun to dig into some of the deeper issues. Yeah. And this was your first week without drum camp. So how'd that feel? Oh, dude. It's, it's weird. It's um, When you have something as structured as drum camp, you don't have to think at all. You wake up and you know exactly what your entire day, every minute of your day, you know exactly what it's going to be like, including your meals. And so without camp, I'm, I have to be self-motivated, and that's really hard because the internet is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just started a new uh, shopping fetish of watches, Uh-oh. and it is the deepest rabbit hole ever. Uh, you know, and I'm not talking like crazy Breitlings or Rolexes. I'm talking about more like boutique companies that make kind of three to five hundred dollar watches, but. I, I'm I'm just I'm in it now I'm in it and I and it's it's terrible I think I yeah, I don't even want to say how many I ordered but it's it's a bad bad thing it's, so are, it's like my new heroin are you selling snare drums to buy watches now as soon as I start selling things to buy things and it's bad but uh, no I, I have learned a trick from my from my wife though which is you take a, an amount of money and you just really you just use online shopping to try things out and send it back so it's more like I order five watches knowing I'm only going to keep two. Oh. But because they're from boutique companies, I can't try them on anywhere. No, no stores carry them. So, um, yeah. If you're out there, president of Helios Drum Co- or uh, Watch Company, <laughs> I'm sorry that I returned. No, actually, I kept their watch. But, yeah, so uh, I've been doing that with my spare time. Uh, no, honestly, I've been spending almost every minute I have practicing. I have a clinic uh, coming up in LA and then oh, right. uh, you know you know that I'm preparing for all that other stuff. So so really it's just been a focus on I I started a new project um, and it's my first musical project since I guess uh, when I was 27 was my last band. No kidding. So yeah, I mean I've been hired to do things. So I've been the drummer in projects, but I haven't tried to be part of a creative project since uh yes, uh 11 years. And so Myself and a New York-based uh, pianist named Dave McKay, who uh, I met through J.P. Bouvet. J.P. is in his band, which is called the Dave McKay Group. Uh, he's been doing our play-alongs for Mike'sLessons.com for a long time, but they're always educational-based tracks. Right. So uh, just recently, I said, you know, hey, can you write me you know, a track in this style for this clinic? And I usually, you know, I just pay him for his services. Well, the track just came out. Well, what he said was, he said, well, why don't you give me a groove and I'll write a track around that. So I did that and it became something very different than anything we've done in the past. And we just talked about it on the phone and I was like, 
do you want to record an album? Like, do you want to make a band out of this thing? And so, yeah, so um, I've been practicing the track that I'll be, I'll kind of be debuting it um, at La Sierra College in Riverside on Wednesday. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to start getting ready to, to rehearse and, and write material and, and record an EP. How are you going to do that transcontinental? Well, I'm actually going uh, to New York to do a, to something specific, um, which we will announce later. But So I'll rehearse with him for a little bit then. And then he's going to be in California for NAMM. So I'll probably fly him in here for a couple of days and we'll rehearse here. And then the plan is actually that studio that we did the 21 Drums drum camp in Ireland uh, where Muse recorded and R.E.M. and Michael Jackson. I'm thinking about maybe sending him. I'm going to do we're doing the 21 Drums drum camp again next year with myself, Mark Juliana and Sput. And I'm thinking about just having him come on like the last day and then him and I would stay a couple extra days and record the album there. That's sweet. Yeah, it should be cool, man. So, so I'm really excited about that. So, I've, uh, uh, it's been watches and rehearsing. What about you, bud? Uh, it, you know, it's been a lot of gigging, so it's been a lot of just prepping for gigs, which which is great. You know, there's a lot of shows and stuff, but it's also a little frustrating because I'm starting to see these problems in my drumming that I need to address, but I just don't have time to address them. You know, <laughs> like every gig, <laughs> after, every, yeah, after every gig, I'm like, man, I really should practice that one silly little thing. Like something I realize I really need to practice is like eighth note builds on the snare drum and the floor tom you know oh really i've never just simple little crescendos yeah, i've never practiced that and i can tell because it just always feels unsettled and uncomfortable and that's probably the it's, most it's just crazy feel. that like something like that with all of your skill sets <laughs> that something like that would be you know the kryptonite it's one of those things where i'm like man i've just never practiced it and, I, and it, it's just it causes anxiety almost like, oh, here comes that build and i know i'm gonna speed up or something something stupid is gonna happen <laughs> So <laughs> after you just played like some of the most technically proficient <laughs> stuff on earth, you're like, oh, here come those damn eighth notes. It's true, though. And I'm going to have to make them from quiet to loud. No, I <laughs> trust me, man. I, I was uh, when I was recording the mic test for uh, for today's podcast, I kept I kept not opening the hi-hat on the end of four, like on the third bar. But I'd already done it for two bars, establishing it. And then I'm like, why can you just not remember <laughs> on the end of four? Relax the hi-hat. It's so simple. Um, you know. But if I would have just blazed chops, it would have been fine. But since I had to play like something consistent. So, yeah. yeah, we all have our kryptonite for sure, man. Yeah, just trying to memorize. Because I don't, I don't like to use charts on gigs. So just get – I mean, that's a commitment to like, okay, I need to – I need to. there's a whole process. You know, you've got to listen to the song a million times. If you have to chart it out, you've got to make notes or whatever. Then you've got to play to it. And then you've got to just slowly – eventually you have to just get the chart away. That's like right. that's the training sure. wheel. So there's you know, there's a couple couple things where I'm like, why am I still taking this notebook with me? It's just silly. So memorize the, the stuff because it'll it'll always be better. I'll always be more comfortable. It'll flow a little bit more naturally. I might be able to get more creative and throw some some stuff I never tried before. But if I'm always looking at like, well, how long is the bridge? Is it six bars or is it eight bars? You know, you can never right. really get past that. So that's that's been my last two weeks of, of juggling multiple gigs and learning what i need to practice when i have a little bit of downtime which includes simple stuff like single stroke rolls and eighth note builds <laughs> yeah there you go now I, I i really had a tough time trying to become a gigging drummer when i left my band and when i stopped touring because i was so so used to being in a band where we have you know 12 songs total and we've rehearsed them for years, and we've toured on them for years, and I have so much freedom inside those songs because I know them inside and out. And then as soon as I went to a basic wedding gigging band, 
it was so hard for me to be up there on stage and not have that complete comfort, complete freedom. I was looking to my left at my chart. Um, you know, I, I didn't know, it, is this the bridge? I mean, I, I couldn't, I felt so bad, like staring at the other musicians, like, yeah. do we end here? Yep. Do we end here? You know, and then you do the little cymbal swell and you're like, I guess we don't end here. I'll come back in. Shaka doom. Scat. And so, uh, yeah, I just realized, okay, this is, I wish I would have grown up a gigging drummer and I could have maybe felt more comfortable with this. But since I grew up a band drummer and even, even in school music programs, it was school band where we had a chart and we had a, a four song yeah. set list that we were going to play at the Golden Empire Jazz Festival and everything, you know, eventually was so memorized and I love that freedom and it's really hard for me to not have that. So it, it, it makes gigging like pickup gigs really hard for me. That that anxiety is always there for me. Yeah, you know, actually, I just thought of another problem that I, I came on Sunday. I had to play this gig at a sort of like a ritzy, not ritzy, but, you know, a nice room, but it was like a classic rock gig. So I had to play very quietly, kind of jazz style, classic rock. And then <laughs> that's awesome. And then the, yeah, it's I mean, talk about a drummer's handcuffed gig yeah uh, and then the guy wanted me to take a solo over the Jimi hendrix song fire oh my god so you're talking and keeping it down keeping it underneath i mean there was like there's literally a law like the decibels have to be a certain level at this place because the neighbors have complained and the the cops have been there and everything wow so i had to play a drum solo over the tune fire at jazz level volume which is you know no more than four inches off the drums Right, sure. So I felt completely. I mean, I was embarrassed. So I, it's what would you do if if you had to play a drum solo on a tune like Fire? Man, first of all, I first of all I would have those Chris Dave signature sticks that don't have the tips glued on. (laughs) I was using the Peter Erskine sticks. Have you seen those? Okay, yeah, those little tiny, tiny. Yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely seen those. They've got this little. uh, dots yeah uh, for for beads yeah i mean that's tough man i mean sometimes you have to kind of just get rid of the ego and go funky drummer style where the solo is the same groove that's been played the whole time it's just the band finally drops out and now everyone can hear what you were doing you know um but i that that happened to me while i was in china they made me sit in in a jazz club which you know me well enough to know that like sitting in with a jazz group is like I, I couldn't possibly be more scared out of my mind. I, it's just not my thing, you know. And they told me it was a very similar situation where they said, don't worry about it. We'll just do whatever song you want and we can do it either in a Latin style or a funk style. And I said, OK, well, you know, let's just do something kind of funky. And then they did. Um, uh, what's the first song on Kind of Blue? Um, oh, so what? Uh, yeah. So what? But not funky at all they literally played so what exactly as it is <laughs> and so it was like okay so all of a sudden we're just stuck swinging you know playing so what like what is that jimmy cobb yeah, on drums? yeah it is yeah yeah so we're, we're literally playing so what and and then they want me to take a solo and i'm like i, I just want to go home like yeah. I don't, and and it was very similar where it was like god i'm so uncomfortable right now and I just had to think like, okay, solo doesn't mean show off. Solo means play by yourself. So I'm going to play by myself as tasteful as possible and keep everything flowing as best as possible. But it is, it is tough when the spotlight's on you and everybody's expecting something amazing and you're like, it's it's not going to happen in this setting. You know? Yeah, it was anxiety. Um, but I feel like it's a challenge that I need to – because a lot of gigs with this band are kind of that thing. It's it's We're trying to play rock and roll sure. in rooms that really demand kind of blue. Well, I can tell you an exercise that we do for our students here at camp that might help you is 
I put them in particular groove environments and then I literally get on, you know, on the front of the stage that we have here and I announce like on drums, we've got Mr. You know, Mike Dawson. And then you have 16 bars to solo in that groove environment. And it's, it's the way that it happens in a cover gig where they finally, they kind of introduce the band, but for some weird reason, they only introduce you in the worst grooves possible. Yeah. yeah. It's always in like a blues shuffle and you're like, really dog? (laughs) Like if you would have introduced me in the last song, I could have ripped it up, you know, but now I'm like, on drums, Mr. Mike Johnson. Like, come on, man. So, but at the same time, you don't get to choose that stuff. So, um, you know, just putting yourself in these kind of uncomfortable groove environments and then in your head saying, on drums, we've got Mike Johnston. And then you just take like a, you know, four or eight or 16 bar solo. Yeah, I'm going to work on it. I might even put some video up so you can check it out. Nice. That'd be great, man. I'd love to see your eighth notes. Yeah. No, you're going you're gonna to hear me play Fire at Pianissimo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that'd be awesome, man. Very cool. All right, well, let's get into some shop talk. We are going to talk. By the way, do you think our listeners are cool with the first ten minutes of this being our therapy? I hope so. I feel like <laughs> I feel like maybe I'm not the only one that that gets crippled by having to play drums in rooms that don't need drums in them. Yeah, I mean, I would like let's just ho- <laughs> let's hope that people aren't driving around going like I cannot relate to that at all. These guys are losers. <laughs> What's wrong with them? Just play triplets. <laughs> Jeez Louise, it's not that hard. All right, so we're going to talk about some of our favorite drumming apps, and obviously they don't have to be specifically for drums, but we're talking about apps that we open up on our devices when we're practicing or when we want to have some inspiration. So right off the bat, do you have like a favorite metronome app that you use? Yeah, I love Time Trainer. Time Trainer, Yeah, it allows you to, there's like features where you can have it drop out, you can program it to drop out. Uh, at certain lengths of time or you can have it it does all kinds of cool little things to to help you develop your time uh, a la like Benny Greb's recent DVD those exercises about improving your time so yeah that's the one I use all the time time and do you know is it iOS or is it for Android as well I think it's I I think it's just iOS I I have it on an iPhone so I'm not sure okay Time Trainer. Well, I'm using for my metronome. I've always used the same one, and it is hilarious that no matter what video I make and no matter how sassy the drumming is, everyone always asks, "Hey, what metronome are you using?" <laughs> and it's like, "Come on, man! They're just beeps. Don't worry about it. It. I promise that is not the secret to my sauce. Like, just get a beep. Um, but I, I do use a a metronome app called Visual Metronome, and there is nothing cool about it. I mean, you can. It has all the flexibility that you want in a metronome as far as subdivisions and turning beats on and off. Uh, it takes a little work to figure that out. But the main reason I use it, to be 100% honest, is the sound of the metronome. It was like the first one I downloaded when I got, you know, when the app store opened. And I loved the sound of the click. It was sharp enough that I really knew where the time was, but it wasn't so jarring like some of those sampled cowbells that it hurt my ears. And so I've used it since kind of the beginning of my YouTube videos that involved iOS apps. So it's called Visual Metronome. And you have that on an iPad so you can see it on the video as well, right? Exactly. That's the other reason why I use it. That's a really good point. I, I use it on the iPad so that the, the people watching the video can reference the time even if they're not hearing the click. Right. So. Yeah, man. What other apps do you use? The one I use probably the most is is the free TuneBot app. Oh, okay. Um, especially because I mean, I'm I, every you know once a week I'm changing out drum kits and having to tune the drums to a different type of sound or a different key signature. So rather than you know guessing 
or like putting the track on and like gradually to getting the toms to be in the right key center. I just opened that app and it has the setting where you can do it. It's called the drum set calculator. You can choose the sizes of your drums, the amount of resonance that you want. Um, and then you can adjust the pitch up or down by three notes. So I'll put in my 13 inch rack tom, my 16 inch floor tom. I'll put it to maximum resonance and I will usually start at the zero point for the pitch, which is a medium tuning and kind of see, and I'll get my drum tuned to that. So then I know that the heads are balanced and everything is good. And then when I put on the track, I'm going to record. If I need to tune it up a third, I just gradually tune each head up by the same amount until I get to that note. Wow. I use it all the time. Like every, every recording I've done in the past couple of years, since they've released this app, I've, I've been relying on it. And it's by the TuneBot guys. Yeah, and it's free, totally free. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I had a, the only problem I had, and maybe you can speak to this since you use it. When the TubeMot came out, I uh, made a video for them. I'm not endorsed by them whatsoever. They've never paid me, um, but I just noticed that they had really, really bad videos on their website, and I thought the product itself was really cool. So I called them and said, "Hey, if you want, I'm more than happy to film a video for you." Um, just because I like the product and I'd bought it myself. So I did that. And then when the apps came out, and I didn't know that TuneBot had their own app, but when the apps came out, the only problem I had was that I had to hold my iPhone. And the thing that I really liked about the TuneBot was it clipped onto my drum so I could use one hand with a drum key and one hand with a with a stick. Do you find any limitation in having to hold your phone while doing this? Well, that's that's the thing with this app is that there is no tuner. It just gives oh, you it gives you the gotcha. reference frequencies and notes to tune to. So you either gotcha. need a tune bot or a, a guitar or a, even a that, okay. guitar tuner. Because I was like, man, I don't know who's running their business over there, but making a free app that does what your $79 product does, that is a horrible business decision. No, no. It just gives you all the, the settings. I mean, I used, I, to, gotcha. I used to just use a chromatic uh, boss guitar tuner, like for an acoustic sure, guitar. Yeah. That's how I used to tune my drums. So. You could use that or if you have a piano nearby. But, yeah, it gives you the frequencies. So then you just get the drum okay. tune. Well, I'll be downloading that today. Um, so one of the apps that I use for, like, I guess rhythmic inspiration or, or when I sit down on the kit and I want to jam to something but not really necessarily a song. Um, I don't know if you've checked out this app, but it's by Pete Lockett and it's called Drum Jam. Oh, yeah. And yeah, super it cool. is awesome, man. It is so cool. I mean, it allows you, for you guys that don't know, it allows you to kind of pick a rhythmic environment, such as maybe like an, a two-bar Indian phrase. And then you just drag different percussion instruments from kind of this part of the side of the screen into the middle of the screen. And then there's pre-recorded loops with that instrument. So you can drag a clay pot over there. You can drag Pete's head over there, <laughs> and then he'll start doing all the tabla, taka tika ta taka taka all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can put in tambourines you can have american kind of drum set parts you can put in kick drum snare drum but the good thing is you don't have to do any programming and then you get to choose the volume of each one of these parts and so you're just kind of building loops and i just think of them as rhythmic environments to inspire my drumming so it's like a rhythmic click track um so I, i've been using drum jam forever and it, i think it's a really cool app yeah but the only other one that i would call special attention to is uh well, not the only one, but the other one that I use a lot is Jamit. Do you know that one? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. And I think the the free demo still includes Rosanna, so you can actually. <laughs> then that's all you need. Yeah, I mean, it's basically I call it the Rosanna app. <laughs> you know, you just open <laughs> it up and you can solo Jeff Picard's drums and play along to it, or you can take him out and play along to the rest of the track. 
Right. It's fantastic. Just to be able to, to solo his drums and hear the nuance of his shuffle is, is worth the... I mean, it's free, I think, but... Yeah, they did it the right way. I mean, being able to get a hold of the actual masters of the, you know, of the recording sessions. And like you said, I mean, it, it's cool, too, because with the older stuff, when you solo, say, Neil Peart's drum set on, you know, YYZ... You actually hear the band in the room bleeding through his mics, you know, um, yeah, yeah. or you hear his drum set bleeding into the bass cabinets mics. Uh, you know, they weren't doing DIs, so uh, no it's it's a, it's very cool that they did it the right way, you know. Yeah, that's a good one. And then the last one, last one I have, and you know, guys, keep in mind we're not reviewing drum apps. What we're talking about is the ones that we actually use on a daily basis. So one of the other ones that I use, and I know there's a ton of apps that do this. Um, but it's called Mimi Copy, M-I-M-I Copy. And it's just a, a slowdown app, but it's done really well. And when you're dealing with a slowdown app, anything that can slow a part down so that you can play it, really what you're looking for here is, is a great user interface so it's not too confusing to use. You know what you want to do. You want to slow the part down and learn it. Um, so this is really simple. You slow it down. It doesn't change the pitch whatsoever. And then you can put your in points and out points so that you can loop whatever part you're trying to learn. But what I really found it useful for was a songwriting tool. And so what I would do is uh, the last band that I was playing for was called Heroes Last Mission. And we would write a song. We'd record it, you know, just a demo of it. We'd throw it into Mimi Copy. And since it doesn't change the pitch, we could slow the song down and speed the song up to find that song's perfect tempo like where does that song really jam maybe we wrote it as this slow ballad thing and then we bring it up 40 percent in tempo and it's like wow this is a much better pop tune than it is a ballad um and you can so it's like i said it's it doesn't change the pitch whatsoever so you can hear your song at a ton of different tempos and really find that home pocket for the song does it how does it grab the audio does it have its own library uh no it's uh it, it accesses your um your i guess itunes account or your ipod whatever's okay. on there um, and then you can do it through Wi-Fi too, so you could just send it a song through email or whatever. Oh, sweet! Yeah, but it's 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 really cool, and um, you know the fact that it doesn't change the pitch is really really helpful because it's it's not like you're just slowing down the song, right. which is annoying as all hell. So uh, it works pretty good. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, hopefully you guys uh, and feel free, guys. You can always let us know what apps you would like to call our attention to. You can go to the Modern Drummer Facebook page and let us know there, and we will we'll definitely check those things out. But for now, let's move into a little bit of educational stuff. So, in the November issue of Modern Drummer, by the way, you I think you know or hopefully you remember, but um, this is not for sake of the podcast. But I called you right after this issue came out and said, "Dude, this is the best issue." of md i've seen in a really long time i mean it's every page is packed with information and it made you it, it it brought me back to the beginning of modern drummer my experience with the beginning of modern drummer which made me feel like i was part of the drum industry and this issue brought me back to that where i felt involved i felt like i knew who the players were what the cool gear was and it was like the heart of what modern drummer was meant to be was in this issue so i just wanted to say from a fan of md thanks man cool. uh, it was awesome i hope we can repeat it i have no idea what we did differently but i hope we can repeat it <laughs> dude just put it out again with somebody else on the cover it's all good no one could have possibly read all of that information uh so in the november issue you guys had a great article and you had a series of articles from russ miller that were not quite the note for note educational articles uh that myself and some of the other guys do these were a little bit more of kind of the you know um 
I guess, the brain side of things and how to think about drumming. And the one that uh, we're discussing today is called Advancing or Starting at Any Age. Um, So first of all, as far as Russ himself, how did this come up? Did you contact him and ask him to write this series of articles or did he contact you saying he had this in mind? No, I, uh, I think it was actually a drum days in Columbus. I was just oh, yeah. talking That's, to him. I was there talking to yeah. him backstage and and said we. I mean, because he'd written some things on and off over the years, uh, but I said, hey, why don't we get you in as a monthly columnist? And and I thought he'd be good for concepts, which, if you recall, back in the day, concepts was actually Roy Burns' column. He he started. He was the first uh, author for the concept series. Then we ended up turning it, and we did it for years. And then we turned his stuff into a book. He eventually. I guess got too busy with Aquarian or whatever and just stopped writing. So the concepts column has existed for years, but then in the past 10 years or so, it's kind of been guest uh, authors in and out. So I I wanted to get – actually, my goal for the past year was to get all of our columnists to be a little bit more solid team, um, which is why Russ has been writing. He's basically agreed to do at least a year's worth of content. We're already on his second year's worth of content. Which is, in a way, approached you about writing more regularly and Aaron yep. Edgar in Canada. So we've got – I feel like I've got this core uh, team of educators who are writing for us every month. And occasionally I'll swap in one or two different authors. But so, yeah, Russ has been – I mean, this is – Concepts is perfect for him because he can share business ideas, education ideas, drumming ideas. This one was his his uh, discussion on basically stop making excuses for not – not being a drummer or not being better at your drumming or or quitting you know it's like there's really no whatever you think your excuse is there's really no excuse for it right and i think you made a good point too about you know for the people that say like oh man i I just wish i wish i i wish i would have started earlier you know maybe they're in their 40s or 50s i i don't really see it like that i kind of see it as you know when i ask somebody how long have you been playing drums and they say uh 35 years and I think, okay, that means that you are very similar to me. I started taking the drums seriously when I was about five years old. Um, so so you've been really serious about the drums for 35 years? And they're like, well, no. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, how, how long have you been like really serious? Where you actually every day were trying to improve? And they're like, uh, maybe like five months. And I'm Oof, like, okay, so yeah. you've owned a drum set for 35 years. And you know, we have this problem at camps where people come in and they sign up assuming – you know, intermediate camp, this is going to be a joke for me. And because I've played for 25 years, but they've only taken the drums seriously for two or three years, it's going to be a tough camp for them. So, you know, what Russ was talking about in the article was, you know, don't worry that you, you know, even if you would have started earlier, maybe you wouldn't have taken it very seriously. So, you know, really you start as a drummer when you start taking it seriously. And so I think that, you know, it doesn't matter when you start. And the other thing that I think people miss out on is especially music and art in general there's no shelf life it's it's not a sport you know in a sport there is a prime you have your prime and after this moment you will only deteriorate and get worse and worse and worse and drums don't have that all of my favorite drummers are in their 50s and 60s and they're at the top of their game right now so you know what happens is at maybe at some point you will physically start to you know kind of lose a little bit of your skill set but you'll make up for it with wisdom and choices and and you know musical ideas and expression and texture and taste so don't ever feel like this instrument passed you by or it's too late it's definitely never too late to play this instrument and to get really really good at it 
Yeah, I just started uh, like really taking the guitar kind of semi seriously. So uh, okay. I'm getting a whole new like that that experience is starting because I started playing drums when I was nine. So it, I really don't have a reference point for like not being a drummer for like sure. what is what was it like to just not be able to do like play a basic groove on the drums. Whereas with right. guitar, it's like I, my, I don't have my basic guitar grooves together. You know, I can't, I can't shift from a, from an A major to an F chord very easily. And bar chords are just killing me. Uh, but I'm, I'm taking it as an experiment to see, like, okay, I, I used to have an, make the, this excuse that my finger, because I have kind of like, like fat long fingers, <laughs> so <laughs> my excuse was just that my fingers are too dopey to play guitar. You know, they just get in the way. Like, I just can't do it. Right. And I've just learned uh, to know that's not what it is. Like, a B major 7 chord on a guitar, all the fingers are kind of crunched together. Okay. And I just, because I had to study guitar in college for my music education degree, and I got I got enough to pass, but never fluent. And that chord in particular, the B major 7, I was like, I, there's no way that my fingers will ever be able to get close enough together to play that without buzzing the strings. <laughs> never. But then what I realized is, well, that's just an excuse. You just haven't practiced it. I just I'm, right. I'm I'm taking my my years of drumming and trying to apply that to guitar, thinking, well, I can just sit down and and figure out a anything on the drums within reason. I can kind of figure it out. Right. But guitar, there's no figuring that stuff out. I have to go back to the beginning and do my single strokes, do my scales. Right. Exactly. All the stuff that you forgot that you ever did in the first place, you know. Um, you well, it's not that you forgot that you did it. You forgot that you used to not be able to do it, you know. And I think the one thing that has really allowed me to be, I guess, a, a good teacher is the fact that I have a crystal clear memory of everything I couldn't do. And I do. I remember being six years old and really struggling with paradiddles. I couldn't play more than two or three in a row without screwing up the pattern. So when I'm watching a student mess it up, I have all the patience in the world because I still remember not being able to do it myself, you know. And so with guitar, you'll you'll have that adult perspective of what it's like to not do something. And probably for the rest of your life, every time you shake a guitar player's hand that has fat fingers, you'll be like, all right, no more excuses. You know, yeah. hey, can I see your fingers real quick? Let me, let me check those things out. Those are pretty, pretty fat fingers. How's that? Uh, yeah, just how's that B major seven? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, another thing that Russ pointed out in the article was how people kind of complain about the volume it's too loud it is a very loud instrument so they don't want to start or maybe they don't want their kids to start because it's so loud but he talked about how the drum industry's really gone out of their way to make you know mesh heads on on kits or electric drum sets or even the zildjian gen 16 symbols which i was looking at the back cover of your november issue and it says it's and it's, there's an advertisement for the new like low volume i'm, I'm yeah. assuming those are the gen 16 That's- symbols but they just don't have any electronics yeah, and that, and they they bronzed them instead of chromed them. Um, and actually, okay. I'm expecting a review set of those here, hopefully cool. shortly. So we'll have a nice report on those. Yeah, I mean, really, what I would tell anyone out there that's that thinks that volume is the problem, it's really not the volume of you know the practice materials we have you know available like electronic drum sets or the DW Go Anywhere practice pad kit. Really, it's the stomping. The stomping is what's going to cause you the problems in your apartments and dorm rooms and flats. So, you know, if you know, if you're getting a new place to live in and you know that you want to practice drumming, just get on the ground floor because that's that's really all it is. The tapping on the pads is not going to bleed through the walls. It's it's always going to be the stomping on the ground that we just can't avoid that that is loud. So, 
just you know out outsmart the problem. Get a, an, a you know. I'm sorry, you don't get vaulted ceilings. That's just how it's going to be. Hmm. You gotta you know. If you're six nine, I'm sorry, you're just going to have some short ceilings. But you know, the stomping is the problem. You know, so the the volume you can work around it, and eventually uh, you can find a practice space in your hometown to put your drum set at, and you pay a little extra money, and you have your you know 24 hour practice space. So, you know, I think uh, trying to get rid of the excuses is the best thing and just decide, you know what, I don't care. I want to do this. I'm going to find a way to make this happen, whether I have to put, you know, blankets over my drum set or whatever I have to do. You know, and the other thing, too, and Mike, you and I have talked about this in the past, but you couldn't possibly pick an instrument that has a better support network than the drumming community. It's, It's out of control. Yeah, totally true. Yep. All right, well, let's move on to our feature, which is soundproofing. I'm sure this is something that everyone that has ever played this instrument would like to know more about. Now, have you ever had to soundproof uh, an actual room or a practice space or anything where your soundproofing came into the mix? I've, I've failed miserably at it. <laughs> Going back to the very beginning, I, I would take old mattresses and put them all over the walls and oh boy, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. egg crates, whatever I thought people did or whatever the, you know, the, low-budget recording studio had in, in their walls. I would try to do that at home, and it never worked. The cops were always banging on my parents' door telling me to shut up. Uh, yeah, man. Same same thing. I'd, I'd get, like, used carpet out of dumpsters of the carpet places, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, this will solve it. <laughs> Knowing no, nothing about the physics of soundproofing, I just thought, keep padding up the walls. Yeah, I, mean, I guess the the misconception is if you make it quieter in the room, it'll be more soundproof, but that's not the case at all. That's a lie. <laughs> it's that the complete is, opposite, really. It is. It, it actually is. Yeah. It's funny when people see our Mike's Lessons studio on camera, they always ask, hey, um, where can I get that soundproofing stuff you have on the walls? And I'm like, oh, oh, you need, you need some education. That is not soundproofing stuff. That is sound treatment. I'm changing the sound inside the room so that it's more pleasing to the students that are here when we do drum camps. I'm, I'm killing the room, which actually is the worst thing I could do for recording, but I'm doing it for because I teach camps here, but it has nothing to do with the amount of sound leaving the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other... I mean, there's... I visited Sean Pelton's studio in Manhattan when I first started here because he had... He lives... I think he's on like the third floor of an apartment building, and he actually... Really? He actually built a floating room within a room in his house and he can play wow. drums in his room uh he says he says and, and he spent a lot of money and i mean it looks completely legit i believe there's still a video online of me touring his his it was called woodshed the, the okay. feature so you when i walked into his apartment he's in there wailing and then I just walk up to his room you can barely hear it and then I open the door and it's like like it just blasts you away uh, so he says he can he can basically drum all day, uh, and no one will complain. It's just when his neighbors downstairs come home, he just has to be cognizant of of what he's playing. He can't wail on like a like a hard rock track, right? With a twenty inch six inch kick and yeah, but his go for but it. But his setup, I mean, he had a floating floor. He had walls that were built interior off of his walls, so they weren't connecting to the structure. He floated the ceiling down. He put a huge, like, steel door, I believe, something crazy. So it basically airtight. It's like a little module inside of his apartment. Wow, that that's really cool. I mean, yeah, that that brings us to like kind of one of the first fundamentals of soundproofing, guys. All you have to do is envision whatever room you're trying to soundproof. 
wherever water could get out, if you filled the room with water, wherever water could get out, sound can get out. So all those little cracks between the doors, all that stuff, anywhere water can get out, sound can get out. So that's your first step is just to fill the room with water mentally and where would the water leak from. Then from there, you know, it's really kind of like what Mike was talking about, about building a room inside of a room. It's the dead airspace between walls where the sound will die. So if you just have a wall by making it thicker and thicker and putting more sheets of whatever on all you're doing is causing more you know more material for the sound vibrations to go straight through and so there's a lot of things you can do uh one reference i would give you guys is a place called soundproofcow.com which allows you to choose whatever part of the room you're trying to soundproof whether it be doors windows ceiling floor and then it'll really give you some good information on that but besides that did you guys did modern drummer publish a book on soundproofing we did it was called keep the peace uh the musician's guide to soundproofing by mark parsons keep the peace and it came out 2005 but it's all still pretty relevant mark is is designed and built several studios all you know, all within like not separate structures, like kind of within. Yeah, I don't think the physics of sound have changed yeah. since the dawn of time, so it should stay relevant. <laughs> yeah, so it's still available, and um, it it basically gives you a bunch of scenarios on on how how much and how far you need to go with it, from you know just weather stripping your doors and windows to actually yeah. building a whole new structure and how to stagger your seams and your walls and how to float a floor, how to float a ceiling. Um, I mean, it's a serious undertaking to do it, but I think there are certain little things you could do, like sealing up the windows. Uh, yeah. And if you just, I mean, it, that would probably, I don't know, maybe ten thousand dollars to to do a room like that on on the low low budget level. But right. if you want, if you're going to spend like a, like fifteen hundred bucks, you can get a clear sonic isolation booth. Have you seen those things? Yeah, yeah, they're, absolutely. They're not a hundred percent soundproof, but. Uh, we we have one in the, our old office building, and and we could be in there playing drums full volume, and it would just sound like someone listened to the stereo pretty loud, but not right. not like you're in a room with a drum set. You could have a conversation outside of it while someone was really yeah, yeah. wailing. So, yeah, I think I played in one of those <clears throat> at um, maybe two Nam shows ago. Aquarian had one of those. Yeah, we called it the fishbowl, but it was you know. They just would put you in the fishbowl, and you could kind of wail, and people could walk by, and everything. Actually, yeah, it was right across from Modern Drummer at Nam. Yeah, yeah. It's um, when you open that door, it's like, whoa, there's someone waiting yeah, yeah. in there. Yeah, I got I got kicked out. Like I had a 45 minute session every day that I was hired to do by Aquarian, and then I got kicked out about halfway through one of my sessions. And you know, I, I was more than happy to stop. I was like, okay, what's going on there? Like, sorry, uh, Stevie Wonder wants to check it out. <laughs> That's right, and, uh, man. What a mob! Because they were debuting. What's a, that was yeah. a mob yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I was stoked. I thought my drumming profile had instantly risen. And I was like, man, there's a lot of people want to check out my chops. <laughs> or Stevie Wonder. My or bad. Stevie. I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to soundproofing, guys, really take a, you know, have someone else play your drum set and just try to find the, the problem areas. I mean, unless you're going to go the full Sean Pelton route and make a soundproof room, you know, what you could do is just find the biggest problem area. And if you're in, say it's at your house and you have just the normal hollow doors, it's probably going to be your door, you know, spending a couple hundred dollars up to $500 on a nice solid core door or even, you know, a steel door with, you know, a nice seal at the bottom, seals on the sides, weather stripping. I mean, that would, that would really help bring the volume down, 
in in kind of a spare bedroom situation. And then um, I know for a while what I did on the windows of a spare bedroom, because Mike'sLessons.com actually started in a spare bedroom. That's where all the live broadcasts used to come from, was from mine and Amber's house. And, you know, we just made these kind of, uh, we took plywood the exact same size as the window. Uh, we covered it with, uh, you know, those kind of rolled sheets of, it's not lead, but it's kind of like rolled soundproofing material, very, very heavy, very dense material. Put some uh, studio foam on top of it, and then we just put some handles on it, on the front of it. And then every time I would play my drum set, I would just cover up the window with this big piece of uh, plywood with kind of some soundproof material on it. And it really, really helped out as far as the sound escaping to the neighbors. So definitely just try to find you know those places. Pick up the the Modern Drummer book or check out soundproofcow.com. And I really I got that idea from that website where I just clicked on Windows and it told me different ways to soundproof Windows. So it you know it can be insanely costly uh, if you if you try to do the full out I'm soundproofing a room. But if you're just trying to bring the volume down so you're not getting the cops caught on you every day, there's much better things to do than doing what Mike and I did, which is stack mattresses and <laughs> used carpet everywhere. <laughs> It doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, the other side of the equation is the room treatment itself. So if you're not worried about annoying your neighbors, but you want to not destroy your ears, right. that's when it, the more padding you can put up, the better. Totally, totally. Yeah, and then, and then you know, then, then you have to start thinking about the studio ramifications or, you know, how dead of a room do you want? How alive of a room do you want? But it is nice to have some of that reflection taken up. And definitely, guys, you know, you're, you're going to find a ton of studio foam places, you know, like Oralex is kind of the leader in all of that stuff. Um, and then you'll find some cheaper versions like from the foamfactory.com. <clears throat> Just know that as cool as that stuff looks, it is not soundproofing. It is sound treatment. Make sure you make that distinction because you could order all the bass traps in the world and all the three-inch pyramid foam you want. And your neighbors will complain exactly as much. They'll say, uh, yeah, it's not as I just I don't hear as many highs as I used to. But, yeah, it's just as loud. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm missing a little bit of a little little 5K off the top. But, uh, <laughs> but it's just as loud as it's always been. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our gear review. This time we are checking out some large diaphragm overhead mics. And really the goal here, guys, was I wanted to show you what could be done in a cost bracket with two microphones. So this is a two microphone setup. Um, and you know, I wanted you to really hear what a large diaphragm microphone does. Now, what, what do you use for overheads? Uh, usually I have four options. Um, okay. Currently I have the blue hummingbird, uh, like small diaphragm condensers over top. Okay. They seem to be uh, capturing just enough drum sound, but mostly cymbals. I'm kind of focusing mostly on the cymbals. Um, if I'm not using that, I like the Audio-Technica 4050 stereo mic, which has okay. two capsules inside one body. Therefore, I don't have to worry about phasing issues ever. I just put it where I think it sounds good, and they're always going to sound good. Uh, and then sometimes I'll put up some Audio-Technica ribbons if I'm going for more of a vintage sound. That's basically nice. my, my three choices. I used to use Shure KSM32s, yeah, which are yeah, great yeah. mics. I still would use them if I didn't have the others, but they're just so big. So they're kind of right. a little bit cumbersome, and I have a small studio, so it gets a little bit. But those, if I just had to pick a set, it would be those. I think those are the best all-around sounding mics that I have. Cool. Very cool. Well, for this test, what I did was we used two Audio-Technica mics. Um, full disclosure, I am endorsed by Audio-Technica, so they just happened to be the mics I had on hand. But really what I wanted to do is give you guys a 
an audio experience going from a $99 mic up to an $850 mic. And I want, I wanted to discuss the differences, um, between myself and Mike and, um, more, more importantly, kind of see, do you hear any differences? And what are the differences? Why would you ever pay $850 uh, if you could get away paying $99? So the first mic that we're going to take a listen to is the Audio-Technica AT2020. And like I said, this is a $99 microphone. So let's take a listen to it. Now for this test, I'll be using a two microphone setup. I've got my overhead about four feet above the snare drum, directly in the middle of the drum set. And I've got my bass drum microphone, in this case an Audio-Technica ATM250, right inside the bass drum, right about the middle of the shell pointed directly at the beater. First up is the Audio-Technica AT2020. And this microphone is a large diaphragm condenser microphone and it sells online for about $99. So, Mike, what are your first impressions of that sound? Uh, with no reference to any other microphone, I think it sounds great. Totally usable. Um, yeah. Seemed to be pretty natural, pretty clean. Had some highs, Definitely. had some lows. Yeah, I mean, it picked up the whole drum set really well. Um, I would say, if anything, it kind of dies off on the floor toms a little bit. Um, but it, it is very bright. There's There's some... You know, there's no hiss, but it is a very sizzly mic for sure. So it's it's got a lot of brightness. It's ninety nine dollars, and the one thing that I do like about that microphone is it's a multi use microphone that could be an overhead like I used it. It could be a room mic if you put it you know ten feet away from the kit, and uh, that's actually kind of one of their best selling podcast microphones. It's a great mic to talk into, so it could be a vocal mic uh, for like you know if, if your band was doing some low budget recording. And like I said, I, I did tell you guys in the recording that i also have a bass drum microphone in there so all that low end you're getting out of the kick that is not from the overhead that is from the kick drum microphone um so but yeah i think you know if you're on a budget and you get you know um even a good kick drum microphone like the uh what sure beta 52 audix d6 those are both kind of you put them in the bass drum and it instantly sounds great and those are like 199 bucks so to get that exact sound that I just had, you would spend less than $300. So that's pretty cool. All right, now the second microphone we're going to take a listen to is the Audio-Technica Audio 4047 MP. This is about $850. And there is, you know, you if you're just listening on your laptop, you're not going to hear a huge difference. So do yourself a favor and listen with some good headphones or on a good stereo. But let's take a listen to that. Next up is the Audio-Technica AT4047MP. Now this microphone comes with a couple extra bells and whistles. You can choose cardioid pattern, figure eight pattern, omnidirectional. You also get a negative 10 dB switch as well. And this microphone sells usually for about $849.
All right, so what are your impressions on that guy? Well, having heard the other one first, this one is like, it's like going from standard definition to high definition. I'm hearing more of everything. It's punchier. It's fuller. It's it's sound. It's, it sounded like it was just a, a bigger, better overall sound. Not that the first mic sounded bad, but compared to this, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm getting more of everything, more more attack, a cleaner attack. It just sounded crisper, yeah. more high def. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say the same. I mean, I think for the non-experienced listener, they actually might even enjoy the ninety-nine dollar microphone more because it's just it's so sizzly, it's so crisp. But uh, this, it, I can promise you this, and you wouldn't know unless you were here. But that microphone actually sounded like what my drums actually sound like, and that's what I'm going for. When I spend more money on a microphone, what I'm looking for is more and more honesty. And giving me the most latitude possible. And what latitude is, is how much room do I have to affect the sound? Now, in the $99 microphone, as good as it sounded, I don't, is, you know, the highs are there. And so I have to start taking those out and I have to start doing this. And I don't know if I can boost the low. And with, with the 40 or uh, the AT4047, I have so much flexibility to do whatever I want. The other thing that I really notice right away is the crash cymbals. They, those sound exactly like my crash cymbals. There's no extra hiss. There's no extra sizzle that's not there normally. Um, it really sounds like my cymbals. And the last thing I noticed was, this is something that most people wouldn't take into account, but my bass drum sound greatly improved from the changing of the overhead microphone. And so that overhead kind of sweetened the bass drum. It complemented the bass drum mic instead of kind of stepping on its toes. Yeah, it's cool. I would uh, I would caution people that sometimes buying a much more expensive microphone if you're in a really bad sounding room is going to make your drum sound much worse. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. I had totally an agree. experience with um, you're familiar with Earthworks mics. Yeah, of course. Which their whole Great premise, microphones. yeah, their whole premise is to like capture an absolutely neutral, natural. This is what your drums sound like. Sound. And I <laughs> I took them to my studio early on. And it, it was like depressing to hear how bad my room sounded. It was capturing with these all of really it. expensive microphones. Yeah, I was like, "Thanks, I've, I'm I'm glad to have reviewed them, but please take them back. I'll have my SM57s, please." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, totally. I you know even as an Audio Technica artist, uh, a lot of times I'll recommend um, either cheaper microphones, you know, cheaper Audio Technicas, or I'll even tell them, "Hey, you know what." Audix does an amazing job of just saying, look, you don't know how to mix. You don't know how to do this stuff. We got it. We'll just pre-EQ the microphones for you, which for me is kind of a nightmare. Like, I don't want you telling me what my drums should sound like. But for somebody that's not mixing and not doing this stuff on a daily basis, it's it's great. Put them on. Your drums sound good and you're done, you know. So, um, yeah, Mike is right. Don't Don't think because you spent more money, it's better. And... If you listen to this today and you thought, I actually kind of like the $99 one, then you should totally get the $99 right, one. Right. If your ear can't hear the difference, then don't don't worry about it and wait until your ear is developed. You know, it's the same thing with golf clubs. Just because you get a, you know, a $1500 driver, you're not all of a sudden better. You're actually worse cuz that driver is more honest. It's more for the people that know exactly what they're doing. The it's the $100 driver that has the two inch sweet spot no matter what you do the ball goes you know forward and straight so yeah i mean i think uh i think a good practice is to get a pair of sm57s use those as overhead and then get used to what you have to do to make those sound good because then you're training nice. your ear um and then also like if you put up like maybe that 
AT2020 is very bright and your room is very bright, well, that's just going to make the recorded sound a whole lot brighter. So maybe you should try a dynamic mic as your overhead. Just see what it does because a dynamic mic is going to capture less high end just by default. So there's Absolutely. there's no reason to say these are overhead mics, these are drum mics. Try everything. And especially with room mics, it's taken me a long time to get over that uh, sometimes a dynamic is a better – like a 57 is a better for the room mic because if you have a really crisp high-end condenser, it's, it's, again, it's going to capture all the reflections. And if you're in a home studio where you haven't really – tuned your room it's just going to sound bad so you can have a you can have a fifteen hundred dollar bad recording with a pair of high-end microphones (laughs) whereas a 57 will be punchy and it'll sound like drums and you'll be able to compress it and add some distortion to it or whatever you want to do to make it cool totally i totally agree all right well let's get into our picks of the week so mr dawson what is your pick of the week this time and i had to i i I was doing, doing this video um I've been going on this quest, I probably told you a couple of weeks in a row, where I'm trying to recreate some of my most influential tracks, like yeah, like learning them note for note and then committing to the recording them and doing video of them. That way I can't, I can't say that I can play it when I really can't if it's, if it's documented. Uh, so I did The Killers this week, and he, he, his symbols are always sizzle symbols with rivets and everything. I didn't want to drill my my cymbals, so I just grabbed, and I didn't have anything around. So I, I found someone had given me like a uh, a promotional chain wallet. <laughs> oh yeah, which I'd never, I've never ever worn a chain wallet in my life, not even in the '90s. But I had it, and I figured, <laughs> well, let me just take the chain off and hang it off of the cymbal and see what it does. And it actually works just as well as any other aftermarket dedicated symbol sizzler so my pick of the week is to grab any kind of chain it could be a wallet chain it could be a like one of the toilet chains that are inside toilets hey there not, you go. not used preferably go to a store and buy some um, and then also i learned uh, a pretty cool tip from johnny rattlet who's out with gary clark jr okay he wears dog tags around his neck uh, all the time, oh. so then he can just take a pair off and just throw it on a cymbal whenever he needs a sizzle sound. Wow! So just that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, so it's kind of a a general pick of the week, but it's just get some chains, <laughs> get some chains. And the ladies think you're tough, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. ooh, dog tags, dog tags. <laughs> so any kind of a, like a beaded chain, if it's your wallet, if it's your an old toilet chain, or or dog tags, just throw them on your cymbals and see what it does. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Well, my pick of the week this time is um, a throne company, a custom throne company uh, out of Utah called Rooster Thrones. And uh, it's run by a man named Chris Hancock. Full disclosure, he uh, has been to drum camp a few times, so I know him personally. But I have paid for my custom thrones, the, the Gretsch one that he made me. I paid for it full price, and you know I love it. And what he does, it's the throne is a typical throne as far as sitting on it. Uh, it feels like a throne, but it's really just the detailed, um, I guess, what would you call it, embossing that is done on it? I don't know the terms for that stuff. I don't either, but... Embossing is uh, raised, I, right? Yeah, and it is raised. Yeah. So it's not in, it's out. But he can recreate any logo, any design you want through embossing, and I don't know how he does it, and I honestly don't know want, I don't want to know how he does it, but it is the detail and the craftsmanship is out of control. He can do anything you want. I know he made a, a throne recently for Nate Morton of The Voice that has LED lights on the bottom of it. And it, and it's plugged into their lighting rig. So it's not just on or off. It'll actually 
talk to the lighting rig and light up when it needs to. Did you see the one he did for Mashes of Maple? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like a wood grain top. A wood grain vinyl top. Oh, unreal. Unreal. Yeah, and that's... I mean, if you just are looking for that extra piece of gear that ties your whole kit together, definitely check out Rooster Thrones. The quality is incredible. The guy that runs it, like I said, Chris, is just an amazing guy that is constantly striving for perfection you know, at what he does. And I know he takes his stuff really seriously. Because even with Nate Morton of The Voice, I guess um, you know, he sent him the LED one. And then all of a sudden, they realized... Well, the stage goes black and your throne is all lit up because <laughs> it was just on or off. And so he, you know, he worked with something, you know, and got the technology together that would communicate with the, the, the lighting director and everything so that his throne was part of the lighting rig. And it's just just awesome. Uh, my, my throne does not light up. I don't have the LEDs. I just have the Gretsch logo on it. But when I put it on the kit, it really ties the whole thing together. And it's like, oh, wow, this is this isn't a drum set. This is Mike's kit, and so do you feel the em- the embossing at all when you're sitting on it? You don't, and that that was the real question I had was like, am I going to get up and have like a Gretsch logo on my butt, <laughs> like um, you know, imprinted for the next week? No, you you don't really feel it at all. Um, so, that, and that was a question I had too. The the comfort is definitely there. He uses a pretty kind of squishy throne material, so it, it's not you know rock hard or anything. It it, it you kind of sit into it, and it's a very comfortable throne, you know, similar to like a pork pie kind of seat top. And so, yeah, they're, they're really cool stuff. So we'll check those things out. Go uh, dig into your toilet and get a chain, put it on your ride symbol, sit down on your rooster throne, and uh, make yourself a sandwich. <laughs> Everybody, have a fantastic In week. <laughs> In that order. Uh, I will give you a full report from my clinic uh, at La Sierra University in... Where is that? Riverside, California, when we get back on next week's podcast. But for now, for myself and Mr. Mike Dawson, we're out of here. See you later.